the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Ghost and Mohammed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. Our recent shows in Magic Markets Premium have included platforms like TripAdvisor, technology businesses like Salesforce, luxury consumer brands like LVMH and Aston Martin, and even an old-school industrials group like 3M. For just 99 Rand a month and no minimum commitment, there is no better way to learn about international stocks and how to research them. Visit magic-markets.com to sign up today. This podcast is brought to you by Anbro Capital Investments. Invest in the future, invest in growth. Visit investinunicorns.com to learn more. The unicorn portfolio is managed by Anbro Capital Investments, an authorized financial services provider. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor. Welcome to episode 142 of Magic Markets. These numbers are getting bigger and bigger. The Proteas don't always get to 142, but we do, Mo. Uh, you know, I've been watching some SA cricket lately. It's quite hurtful. Um, it's almost as hurtful as watching some of my stocks, but it is what it is. I'm clearly a sucker for punishment. At least we have the spring box, eh? So, uh, Mo, welcome to you. Always uh, doing this with me and having a lot of fun with me on Magic Markets. And, of course, we've got Justin Brophy with us this week as well from Anbro, a voice that... Our listeners have certainly gotten to know and enjoy with his partner, Craig and Tony. But Just, we've got you this week and uh, very keen to chat. So, Mo, welcome. Just, welcome. Yeah, Ghost, uh, always a pleasure doing this with you. And uh, I guess at episode 142, maybe we get to say that the Magic Markets brand is getting really strong. Um, <laughs> let's, let, let's put that on the table because today's discussion is all about brands. It's why we've got Justin Brophy from Anbro with us. Now, I mean, our listeners will know we don't generally do a product push on the show. So that's not what this is. What we're talking to Justin about is something really exciting. Yes, it's a product from Anbro. Uh, He'll take us through that. But the reason we have Justin on the show is because this ties firmly into what we've been discussing here at Magic Markets quite recently. We've discussed a couple of really, really big brands and whether it makes sense to add those brands as companies into your portfolio or should you be sensitive to some of the fundamentals? What does that actually look like? So with that kind of backdrop, Justin Brophy from Anbro, welcome back to Magic Markets. Oh, great to be here, Ghost, and, and my, thank you very much to you and your listeners for being here. And an exciting time, you know, to, to actually look at things. I think there's a lot of people worried about where markets are at the moment, to, you know, Ghost's point earlier, and, uh, you know, where do I go as a client? What do I do? What are my options, you know, that are out there? So I think, you know, if you want me to jump in, I'm happy to jump in and give you an overview, or you can fire any questions straight away. I think, yeah, there's something I almost want to mention, actually, before we get into the detail. And this is, you know, as the last of the three of us who actually still lives here in uh, beautiful South Africa with uh, stage 732 load shedding. So it's not always easy to get your money out and to go and invest in a whole portfolio of businesses. And I think just it's worth just mentioning right up front. This is a big part of the Anbro strategy, right, is to basically bring one financial instrument to a South African investor audience that allows you to kind of make a single investment and actually get exposure to a basket of underlying global stocks along a particular theme. And then obviously the theme may vary, but you know what's quite nice with this is you're not actually physically taking your money out of the country, incurring the bid offer spread on the Forex, for example, hitting any kind of tax issues if you have a lot of money that you want to potentially take offshore or 
you know, if the offshore limit is an issue for you every year, which is one of my life goals, you know, I dream of having so much money that I have to, you know, be irritated by the Saab limitations. But the point is you make it easy. And I, I just want to start there so people understand what they're listening to is this is a product that makes it easy to get exposure to a basket of global stocks right here on the JSC, right? Absolutely, Ghost. You know, for, our, for your listeners, I think we've tried to do this in three ways. You know, we South Africans ourselves, we might uh, have, you know, still have an office in Cape Town and directors in South Africa, but Craig and I now reside in the UK. And as South Africans, we understand, you know, South Africans are, are faced with less and less stocks that are listed on the, the JSE that they can really diversify, you know, into a broader share portfolio in. Um, a lot of those stocks, you know, you, you're taking a specific sector or specific area of the market that you are going to be very focused on. And there seems to be less and less individual stocks on the JSE these days. So the idea, you know, comes from all our products now. We had Dynamic Compound, which we launched not so long ago, lower risk, high yield type investor. We launched five years ago almost now, we launched the Unicorn, where 83% of those stocks didn't exist on any of the custodians in South Africa. You know, that was an ability to buy into growth, uh, whether it be in tech, biotech and others. And those are all still going strong. And it just gave South African investors that opportunity to buy something they just couldn't get at home. And it was listed on the JSE. So daily pricing, lots of regulation, people understood. This particular idea that we looked at was sort of a fundamental. We, we were missing a core. We were missing in our portfolio. We had fantastic growth and fantastic uh, sort of yield generative products for clients. But this particular product we've called Brands spelt B-R-N-D-Z. And that's just a play on the new generation of how people like things about vials and uh, to give it something something extra. So this has nothing to do with Nkozazanid Lamini Zoom, yes. to be clear. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, It's a different, different NDZ. Yeah, this is a different NDZ. This is B-R-N-D-Z. Anyway, to jump into it quickly, the idea here is that many different investments, or you'll hear different kinds of portfolio managers and different kinds of unit trusts and different international funds and they tell you how they invest in different blue chips and brands, etc. What we decided to do was something different completely. We've created a custom index which basically looks at the world's top 100 brands by brand value. That's an important stock, by brand value. These are companies that almost everyone who drives to work in the morning and hears an advert or is wearing night shoes, or watches Netflix, or uses an Apple or Google product, or Samsung, whatever they do, whether it's makeup, things they've grown up with, you know, Starbucks, these are brands that every single person will know. Now, from a, an explanation point of view, people might say, yeah, but I've, I've got some of that in my portfolio. And you, you may well have that. What we're offering people an opportunity to do is to buy the top 100 of these brands, with a few exceptions that I'll talk to at the end, and buy it in one simple instrument. And the most important criterion about this is that this is a portfolio whereby there's a custom index. Stocks make this portfolio globally, and I'm talking globally, we've got some Chinese stocks, we've got some Korean stocks, we've got some Japanese, we've got some American, European. There are really global brands in here which we'll get into. And uh, the most beautiful part is that this remains the exact same portfolio and is only rebalanced on an annual basis when we look at the re-calculation sort of, of the brand value. That's a very important thing. You know, this is done by brand. 
If we look at someone like Apple, who has an $880 billion brand value, if we look at someone like Salesforce or even Starbucks, who has more around the $61 million in terms of, of brand value, you can see the difference in what their brand values actually are or what's, what's out there. And I think the, this ranking gives people confidence that these are the world's biggest brands. Now, just dropping one down from that, what I wanted to say is, how do you get into this? Like, what, Why would I buy these brands? Like, I hear you, and sometimes I wear Nikes, and sometimes I don't wear Nikes. I don't have any Nikes, by the way. But I might shop at Home Depot, or I might wear a Hermes-type uh, you know, aftershave, although that's more like Mo. To have something like that, or Louis Vuitton handbags and things, that sounds a bit like Mo. All of these different brands come with some great sort of, let's call them points when one looks at investing. The first one is, Stability and reliability. You know, longevity of these brands, for a lot of them, gives you that ability to survive multiple economic cycles and downturns. One of the most important things I always talk about is management in a company. You know, particularly big companies with boards that have seen and gone through different crises, seen everything, been through a COVID, been through 2007, 2008, survived these, restructured their businesses. That stability and reliability is something that echoes across the top 100 here. Global presence. You know, it's important when certain markets are not doing well. And a good example of this the other day was Apple, where China suddenly said, sorry, but we're not going to allow, you know, consider allowing our government officials, of which there are probably 50 to 60 million people, to have Apple iPhones in response to the Huawei ban globally. And you look at that and you say, okay, but then Apple's expanding dramatically in India as well. So a company that has a global reach obviously has a much broader, diversified market that it's appealing to from a growth point of view. So that, that global presence means you're not stuck just in one market or at the risk of one market, you're global. Cash flows is another one. Strong brands invite continued and ongoing purchases and steady margins. These kind of companies have seen through so many crises and been able to look at reducing costs, increasing spend, marketing around the world. They have a great idea of what different cultures and different areas of the globe aspire to. What does the consumer look like in Japan versus France? What does the consumer in, you know, somewhere like Australia look like that's different to the UK? A South African consumer, what does that look like? These are really, really strong brands that have got a presence whereby they can generate cash flow across multiple markets. If we look at brand loyalty, um, I, I happen to have a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old daughter. You'll be amazed how loyal they are to certain brands. I get told quite often how old I am, that I don't like certain brands, and they will tell me these are really important brands. Some I've never heard of, by the way. But uh, brand loyalty is incredible. You know, I know, I know people, Mercedes-Benz is in this index, and I know people who drive a Mercedes because their dad drove one. That's their answer. I don't know why they do, but there's brand loyalty. And people do that. They really stick to these. You know, um, so a lot of these bring in a high element of brand loyalty. Liquidity. One of the most important things in any investor's portfolio is liquidity. You know, I want to know if I buy an investment that at any point in time, if I need to exit, can I sell? You know, is this, is this stock big enough? Is there enough shares that if I buy a portion of it, whether I'm an institutional or retail investor, can I get in and can I get out? Well, one thing with these stocks is the size allows for liquidity. And that's a very important component. Many years ago, uh, you know, Mo will know, we worked with Narina Fisser and we did a lot of work in the beta space. 
and Narina's biggest scream was liquidity. How do we get liquidity? And that's that's the beauty of this, that any size is welcome. The next one is blue chip status. I think uh, it's probably one of the most used acronyms out there, but often you will find it doesn't matter which huge asset manager or let's call it fund manager walks through a door. They'll always talk about this, this portfolio comprises of blue chips. Well, these are the bluest of the blue. You know, these are names that have been around for years and years and years. They really, they fundamentally are, are gathered around quality, reliability, strong financial position and historical performance. You can go back and see how they've behaved in different markets. And then the last one is lower volatility. A lot of these stocks come with a lot lower volatility because of the management teams. The management teams have seen some really tough times, some really good times, and they tend to manage these as steady ships, hence their brand value, hence their longevity. So those, those criteria, we believe, are the most important criterion that we've, we've looked at around this. And we feel it makes sense for an investor to have a core portfolio, have access to these particular stocks, and have it in their, in their makeup that they have this offshore 100 stock portfolio, actually it's 94, I'll talk through the six we can't buy, but 94 stock portfolio, and know that they're safe. They've got a diversified portfolio. If someone gets bought out in this portfolio, if a beauty player like L'Oreal gets bought out by another one of the players, we will simply adjust the portfolio. But the reality is, all of these brands show consistent performance over many years. Yeah, just I want to jump in here because I'd, I'd like to get into some of the, the slightly more technical aspects. I think a lot, a lot of the points you had mentioned, some were qualitative, some were quantitative. Uh, you've indicated very importantly, I think, at the onset that this is not necessarily based on market capitalization. It's based on the value of the brand. And that is actually very important. That ties into your annual rebalancing rather than this portfolio bouncing all over the show. But in terms of constituting the index, is that something that's market cap weighted or do you apply an equal weighting? Is there any sort of quantitative criteria in, in terms of how you weight the various stocks within this index? Yes. So the bottom line is it is actually weighted according to the calculated brand value. That brand value comes from both an internal and an external report that we, we look at on an annual basis. We are constantly monitoring any kind of info that comes out of the, the companies, but at the same time, the brand value is done on an annual basis. So the annual calculated brand value, which comes out probably near the end of December, early Jan, would then be looked at, we would reweight according to that particular brand value, and that's how stocks will constitute this particular index. And we would look at the top 100. If someone fell out of the top 100, they would fall out of the index, and obviously vice versa. If someone new came in, that's when we would look at it. Now, just on top of that, there are some interesting ones. You know, if one takes something like Microsoft, in the top 100 brands is also Xbox. So you can't buy Xbox, you have to buy Microsoft. But Xbox has its own value in terms of brand. So what we've done is we've put together and been additive in terms of all the pieces that fall under maybe a Google with YouTube, which has a brand value, and Google has a brand value under Alphabet, and we're able to put those two together. In the same way, you've got the likes of LinkedIn and those players which fall under their parent. You know, so, so having those having those brands, the values added up creates the percentage of how this is weighted. And that's been the approach. We, we want to keep it that way. The market cap is important only as far as liquidity is concerned. You know, we don't want to get into something that is just no longer liquid because 
you know, it's just not viable to trade. That would be a screen we would look at, but in almost 100% of the cases in these, that is not an issue. So it really is down to brand valuation. I think the question I've got, Justin, this is a really, really interesting product, is it sounds like there's a very nice split between consumer brands and then B2B. I think you mentioned Salesforce, definitely mentioned Microsoft. You know, Apple is B2B as well as B2C. And I think that's quite fun. And it's something that people need to think about is this is not just the 100 biggest consumer brands. This is the 100 biggest brands. So it's the hundred most valuable global brands. Most valuable global brands, exactly. So what you're basically doing is you're kind of splitting out. You know, it's not property, it's not mining, it's not big utilities, it's not big industrial players, really. Although you did mention, well, you did mention Home Depot. That's not industrial. I don't know if something like Caterpillar makes it into this top hundred. I don't know if you know offhand. So it's a really, really interesting mix, and it's not necessarily an easy mix to create outside of this. And I guess that's what I like about the product is it's a very cool way to say, you know what, uh, let's call a spade a spade. I got paid this month. I've got some money to invest. I would like to build up my global exposure because guess what guys, when you take South African long-term exposure and you put it in dollars, I can tell you for sure it ain't pretty. You know, just a personal note on that is I, I saw some fabulous stats on uh, Twitter or X, how to destroy a brand. You know, hopefully none of those top 100 brands just casually rename themselves overnight to a letter of the alphabet because that doesn't work so well. So I saw something excellent on uh, X and it was basically about how, you know, 10 years ago in South Africa, BMW 3 Series, Mercedes C-Class, these were the top selling vehicles. Today, they are nowhere near the top because South Africans are so much poorer. This is, the tweet didn't finish off like this, but this is the reason, is South Africans are so much poorer in dollars than we were 10 years ago. So to afford fancy imported German vehicles is that much harder now than it was 10 years ago, which is why our roads are now full of Chinese cars and Korean cars and Toyotas and all of that kind of thing. And it just goes to the point of, you know, for any South African, and this is a drum, we probably don't beat hard enough in magic markets, but it's why we've made magic markets premium what it is. We just think South Africans should be looking Offshore, you would be crazy to have no offshore exposure in your portfolio. Whether you choose this or you choose something else or you just go and buy shares in Apple and forget about them, doesn't matter. That's up to you. But to only have exposure to South African equities is just a little bit daft. And that's where this is interesting. You know, it gives exposure to these really cool brands, as you said, across the world. And like I say, a nice mix of B2B and B2C. That's very good, uh, Ghost, as, as a summary. I mean, we even look at things, you know, that, that work across the world like FedEx. You know, UPS, these kind of things find their way into these brands because they're household brands. You know, they're delivering goods to your house. They're delivering goods around the world for companies. If you look at some of the other pieces that you're talking about, I mean, there's things in here. There's China Mobile. There's Ping An, a big insurer in, the, in China, who you might know through Discovery. So there, there are a nice mix of different brands here. I mean, even something which potentially is, let's call it a controversial talking point in some areas, but something like Huawei is in here. Um, you know, because it's a very big brand um, in the markets in which it's, it's a market leader. And I think the, the, the crux of this portfolio is it doesn't matter where you are. It comes down to the valuation of that particular brand. That's why it's important. You know, if we just went on, you know, the top 100 brands in the US or Europe, we'd have a much different looking group. This diversification, not only B2B and B2C, but also geographically gives an investor a really nice mix I mean, I don't know how many clients go out there and buy, you know, would look today and go, I want to make sure I've got Mercedes-Benz, uh, Lancome, Budweiser, and sort of Adobe in the same portfolio. I don't know who those investors are, but uh, I know that if I bought this entire 
set of products. I have it within brands. I have the most powerful brands. So it's a product for an investor where you are tracking on an annual basis the most valuable brands in the world. And the world is the right word. Yeah, just, I mean, that's actually a great place, I, I think, to, to kind of land this. Because again, in the interest of, of time and our slightly shorter format, I want to almost just get one comment across the line here. And that is to say that that's actually the bit that I like the most about the value proposition that you're putting on the table, is that we often focus on a very Eurocentric universe of, of stocks or a US-centric universe of stocks. This includes US, Europe, Asia, you've mentioned Chinese brands, you've mentioned Korean brands, and I think that's a truly global portfolio, and it's a nice, easy, neat way to get exposure to, like you say, a hundred different stocks, potentially a hundred different stocks, but in one click. Now, I just want to land on one key point, and that is that this is currently hot off the press, right, Justin? I don't even think it's, it's launched yet. We're kind of preempting the launch of this particular portfolio. Where can our listeners go and find additional information about Ambrose World's biggest brands portfolio? Uh, ticker you have told us is, is going to be B-R-N-D-Z, but where can our listeners go and find additional information or how can they engage Craig and yourself and the team at Anbro to find out more about this? So the first, the first thing is it will be listing on the 20th of September. We will probably do a market launch in the beginning of October. Um, and the reason for the differential is that we've just found with experience that it's better to list it, break it, and then, and then be able to launch it from a marketing point of view. We want clients to have easy access, see the double on it, and be able to trade it efficiently through their portfolios. So the listing is on the 20th of September. Uh, UBS is the underwriter, again, for us in terms of this portfolio. And what we will be doing is there will be a website which will launch on the 1st of October. It's not launched yet. What we will do is be creating a space on our existing website, which is anbro.co. We tend to have a product-specific website for each one of our funds. I know it sounds strange, and you know maybe there's some marketing experts who think we're crazy, but we see it as three distinct products that clients might want more information about. So they each have their own landing page. But there will be information on enbro.co, which should come up by the end of this week and listing 20th of September. Yeah, this is a very nice intro to Justin. I think when we have you guys back on the show, maybe what we can do is then kind of dig into more of the constituents, maybe look at some of the performance on this thing versus the index long term. It's going to be very, very interesting. So congrats on, uh, on bringing this to the South African market and certainly looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Oh, thanks very much. And thanks for the time just to chat about it. Yeah, indeed. And what do you guys think as our listeners? Let us know. Hit us up on social media. It's at Magic Markets Pod. One word. You can find Ghost and myself on X as well. It's at Finance Ghost and at Muhammad Nalla. And then also feel free to engage the Anbro team if you have further questions about this brand's portfolio that's coming through. It certainly has piqued my interest. And as Ghost has indicated, I think it's going to give us a lot to dig into, get into the nitty gritty, certainly from a company specific perspective, as well as just generally how that performs given the backdrop that we find in markets as a whole. Until next week, same time, same place. Thanks and cheers. Thanks very much, guys. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anbro Capital Investments. Invest in the future, invest in growth. Visit investingunicorns.com to learn more. The Unicorn Portfolio is managed by Anbro Capital Investments, an authorized financial services provider. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor 